It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Cincinnati Reds have only begun to build. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker. That guy over there, he's Jeff Carr, and we are diehard baseball fans. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. We have taken our love of the game, our passion for baseball, and we have turned that passion into information for you. We want to thank those of you who listen every day. If you are an everydayer, please let us know down in the comment section. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the Hunter Green Extension and how it signals that the Reds are going to do things a little differently than they have in the past when it comes to the dreaded R-word, rebuilding. Uh, we are also going to talk about Nick Lodolo's start yesterday against the Tampa Bay Rays, and uh, we're also going to be discussing the probable debut this week of Luke Weaver. It's here. I know you are as excited as I am. We're going to tell you a little bit about him. Before we get into all of that, let's shout out the sponsor of today's episode, FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, Jeff, I think a good place for us to get started is going to be with this earth-shattering news. At least that's how it felt yesterday uh, when the Reds announced that they have bought out all of Hunter Green's uh, league minimum years, his arbitration years. Uh, they put on a couple extra years. The man is getting paid a little bit, and Hunter Green is going to be around for a while with this extension that the Reds announced yesterday. Yeah, and we got some pay-it-forward vibes as far as positivity goes because, well, the Reds got killed yesterday, and as we record this this afternoon during the game, they're actually trailing 7 nothing. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a bummer to see them losing like this to the Rays, but the Rays are a pretty good team, and they got their win in the first game of the series. So this has me just booming with optimism for our team. I woke up happy today, Steve. Usually I wake up hopeful. For the Reds, I woke up happy for the Reds today because they actually did something to be happy about because the Reds begun the next phase of the rebuild by locking down Hunter Green. I also saw this great article in the Inquirer. Haven't had a chance to really dive into it just yet from Bobby Nightingale talking about a conversation with Nick Crawl in spring training where Nick Crawl detailed what's coming up next. And this is not the only contract we're going to see. This is just the first contract we are going to see. But let's let's break this down a little bit because we talked about, you know, how happy we were yesterday in our instant reaction show. Let's get into why. Uh, spot track, and, and there were some reports on some different articles about the breakdown of this contract, and it is so fantastic. If you're watching here on YouTube, you can see it. But for our audio listeners, uh, the breakdown goes like this. This season, Hunter Green makes a million dollars. Next year, he makes $3 million. 2025, $6 million. 2026, $8 million. He does not get into the territory that I like to deem the Kesselini's going to sweat territory until 2027, where he starts making $15 million, then $16 million in 2028, his last guaranteed year. 
and then he has an option year in 2029 for 21 million dollars. Now there are escalators and the what the escalators are weren't expressly detailed in any anything that I've read, but based on performances and things like that, it can go up to a, an overall total of about 96 million dollars, but right now the way that this deal looks is absolutely phenomenal and it sets the Reds up to make not not just one more move, but plenty more moves for the next couple of years. Quick question, Jeff, uh, and I should have asked you this before we were recording. Uh, that option year, is that a team option, mutual option, player option? Team option. Team option. All right. So as long as Hunter Green is Hunter Green, that's still a very reasonable price yeah. for the Reds to pick up that option at $21 million. You know what this deal signals for me, Jeff? You know what it does for me? You said you woke up, you know, you know, happy. You know, it hit you and I yesterday that this was done. The reason I think that it, at least it reason it got me in the feels the reason that it, it changed the way I'm thinking a little bit about how this team is going to operate moving forward is I didn't really believe that the Castellinis would allow Nick crawl to do things like this. Um, yeah. You know, I know it's not big money and I know that it's structured in such a way that it doesn't force the reds to pay huge money at the end. It, it shifts some money over time. But this is something that I wasn't sure would happen. I really wasn't sure that the Reds would play the extension game and and not follow suit with the whole, you know, Tampa Bay model, as we've never found a better name for this, right. uh, where they just trade guys away when they're at year and a half to two years of team control. Uh, this this signals something different. This signals uh, a different way of doing things. And, and as you say, with the article uh, coming out about there's more to come, uh, it's very exciting now because we can actually have a realistic uh, conversation uh, trying to figure out who should be next for the Reds to do a type of deal with like this. Right, because it's no, it's no longer us. Well, we hope that they're going to sign a couple of people, or we hope that they extend people. Like they're doing that, and yeah, there's there's been a couple of comments that I've seen of folks being like, "Well, they really only bought out one, maybe two free agency years if they pick up that team option." And said, "Yeah, but there's a couple of different layers to this because this gives Hunter Green financial stability. It's something that." Every player, I don't care how good the player is, they're all human. And in the back of their mind, they know if they get hurt, it could affect their arbitration uh, that next season. And so they probably play a little bit more cautious and they probably, you know, worry about this or that with their body, which they should always take care of themselves. But the, the point here is this gives Green comfortability in knowing that he can give his all for this team and he knows what he's getting next year and he knows what he's getting a couple of years down the line. Sports, I mean, I mean, it's let's call it what it is for the players. It's still a job, and they want to know that they have security in their job. This gives him that security, but it still keeps the Reds financially flexible to sign more guys who we're going to get into in just a moment, but to sign more guys to go out and make a free agents deal or something like that. This is the kind of deal that not only signals the future of what the Reds are going to do, but it also signals that the Reds understand how they have to build a team. They cannot go out and compete with the Yankees and the Mets and the, and the Phillies and the Dodgers and, and just sign every free agent available. That's never going to be how they compete with them. How they compete is more like what the Braves do, and they get their guys up through their minor league system. They get them major league ready. They find out if they're good enough to stay at the major league level, and then they lock them down for multiple years to come. 
And the other piece of this is I like the message it sends to the other players, even the guys that don't necessarily get a deal like this, but just the other guys on this team. You know, there there comes a point when you play for a losing team in any sport where it feels like you're just running into a wall and there's no hope of getting through it. There's no hope of getting over it or around it. And you're just stuck. And, and that's where you run into people saying things like we heard in our comment section yesterday uh, about, you know, figured guys were just going to be gone as soon as they could be. That's where that mentality comes from when players get so discouraged and lose hope, like you talked about. So for me, this deal also sends a message to them. We are going to keep the studs around here. We are going to find ways creatively to keep our best players in Cincinnati longer. That's just going to make the other guys happy. It's going to make them hopeful. It's going to make them play harder. And it's going to allow them to see like it allows us to see there's a plan, Jeff. They have a yeah. plan. We have a plan. We don't have a plus. We have a plan. And this is phenomenal, which I, I want to drop this in here. We're, we're going to have lots more discussions as we move along through the season. I'm not sure. I mean, it'd be great if we get more news today about a contract extension, and then we'll have another emergency podcast. But there's a chance that it's going to take a little bit before we hear about that next extension. And so for the reasons that you just outlined and for a couple of reasons as to how this guy has performed to this point in the season, I think our next guy is going to be Jonathan India because Jonathan India has seen the overturn of this roster. He has seen the players that, that he really came up with and, and connected with guys like Jesse Winker and guys like Nick Castellanos go by the wayside. And I think that he is ready for his own stability. He wants to know that he has security with this team, but more so than that, he's taken on a leadership role and he has shown that he understands who he is as a player. And he's settled into both of those roles very nicely so far this season. And I think that it just shows that he is ready for a contract extension. Plus it follows along with what they're doing with Hunter green because is Hunter green an ace right now. No. Can he be? Yes. Is Jonathan India an MVP caliber second baseman right now? No, but he can be. And this is when you sign him if you're the Reds because you can't wait until he is an MVP caliber because then they'll be priced out of that extension. You know, I said this on our uh, breaking news emergency podcast yesterday. Uh, now that he has shown us that he had truly understands his body type, he truly understands what he's capable of, and he truly understands what he should be doing to be the leader of this team, I think you're absolutely right. You know, I think it should be a hitter next. The next yeah. news to break should be a hitter, and I think it should be him. Uh, he has shown us that that uh, rookie of the year, Jonathan India, wasn't a fluke. You know, I was a little worried about that last season between yeah. – what we saw with the injuries, you know, and then allowing for all that, but he was just a different dude, even when he was on the field for the most part last season. And he has shown us that he figured it out. And by going back to how he did things before his performance returned to how it was before. So for me, it makes total sense to lock him up as the next guy to keep around for a couple extra years and start staggering and start extending and really get this team positioned to take a window that might be two or three years and make it be five or six years. Uh, and then we don't know what happens after that. But uh, I I'm excited, Jeff. This makes total sense to me. And the key here is Hunter Green's contract is only the beginning. You know, the Reds were humbled last night, Steve. Uh, and there's one key takeaway to glean from that loss. We'll tell you what that is coming up next. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about one of the presenting sponsors for today's episode, and that is eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. 
It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop at eBay Motors, it's the same way. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, get the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. You know, you can catch every pitch of Reds games on Sirius XM. All you have to do is get on the SXM app and search Reds. And thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every dayers tomorrow on the show, we will get the opposing point of view from the Rays as we cross over with Locked On Rays. And to be honest with you, Steve, I, I really feel like this series is kind of going how I would have envisioned it. Like I wanted the Reds to win one game. The Rays were coming in here like a freaking locomotive and the Reds happened to get that one game in the first game of the series. And then game two happened. Well, you know, and it's good for the locked on Rays guys that game two happened because, uh, <laughs> you know, in franchise history, uh, the totality of the Rays franchise history against the Reds, they weren't going to have a whole lot of things to say. At least now they have something recent to talk about because yeah. uh, up until this point, the Reds have owned the Rays, but it did not go that way. And and it's a good reminder, I think, that even our our favorite players, the guys we consider to be some of the best people on the team are going to have bad days. And we did see a bad day from the super lefty Nicoladolo. He only managed to go 4.2 innings in this game. He allowed 12 hits, Jeff, eight earned runs, only struck out four guys. And I don't know if that says more about the Tampa Bay lineup or it just says that Nick was having an off day. Uh, he only walked one guy. So maybe it's a lineup thing, but here's the kicker. He allowed three home runs at great American ballpark to the race. The biggest issue and my biggest takeaway with Nick Lodolo was this was just a matchup nightmare. And it's something that Hunter Green actually said in his post game, um, even though, you know, he was out of the game early in game one. But he he mentioned this, that the Rays are very disciplined hitters. All of their guys don't swing at bad pitches. And Lodolo just thrives on getting guys to swing at that low and inside curveball. The other problem with this, though, was whenever they weren't swinging at that, he was trying to move it around in the zone. And what happened was that 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 breaking ball, slider, curveball, whatever it is, I always call it a curveball. I think it's more like a slider, but whatever. Um, he was leaving it over the plate, and it was getting clobbered. And not just those three home runs. There was lots of hard contact against him in this game. This was just one of those games that Nick Lodolo is going to have to take away from it and, and say, okay, this was a matchup nightmare. How do I combat that moving forward? Because there are going to be some lineups that just lay off that breaking ball and force him to throw his other pitches. That's exactly what the Rays did. And that's really, for me, the biggest thing that I take away from this game. Like, you know, we saw Casey Legomina pitch. We saw Alexis Diaz get out there and throw a nice outing. And the lineup, for the most most part, was held in check by Taj Bradley, and who is a who has just made his major league debut last week, and then you know the bullpen, which is 
a very much Reds thing to do. Guy makes his major league debut and the lineup just goes to sleep. But overall, I look at this and I say, this is a teaching moment for Nick Lodolo. How do you combat these kind of lineups? Yeah, and and it's just important to remember also, Jeff, that occasionally a guy's just going to have an off day and it doesn't mean anything other than it was an off day. And I think we're going to see a whole lot more days from Nick Lodolo that are the Nick Lodolo that's striking out 10, 11, 12 guys than we are the Nick Lodolo that's given up three home runs in four innings. I just I, I'm not worried about that. I think you're right. It was a matchup nightmare. Uh, and Nick Lodolo will learn from it. And the next time he sees the Rays next year or, or whenever that is, uh, he'll be better prepared to face a lineup constructed that way. Uh, you mentioned Alexis Diaz, and it was good to see him come out and get a clean inning of work, struck out three guys, allowed no runs. Uh, that's what we want from him. Uh, you know, they didn't use him the day before. So, you know, I figured we would see him regardless of what the situation was just to get him some work. That's how it went down. He did pitch effectively. Uh, Legumina, uh, in what turned out to be uh, his uh, last appearance with the Reds before being sent to Louisville, he was sent down to make room for Levi Stout. He pitched two and a third inning, two hits, one run, one K, one home run. So not bad. I think we'll see him again. I think he will be back up. Uh, He may be the guy riding the shuttle bus this season. You know, there's always one, right? There's one pitcher that just rides that bus back and forth, back and forth uh, between Louisville and Cincinnati just to kind of help bolster the bullpen when they need it. And I think uh, Legomina might be that guy. You talk about the lineup going to sleep. And listen, it went to sleep. Uh, They had four hits on the day, Jeff. Uh, One each from India and Myers. And then two, the the leading hitter for the game. This should tell you everything you need to know was Kurt Casale with two hits in the nine spot. It's kind of hard to put together uh, some run scoring rallies when nobody's getting on base. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, You know, again, occasionally you're going to have these games. It's just unfortunate that all aspects of the game fell apart at the same time. What we've seen so far this season is maybe the starting pitcher has a bad outing, but the lineup is out there scoring five, six, seven runs. Everybody's getting on base. Everybody's doing things. And this was just one of those days in in the old ball yard where nothing went right. I kind of want to go back to Alexis Diaz for a minute because it was good to see him perform well in this game. He has been getting so few opportunities here recently because it seems like every game the Reds are either winning by 10 or losing by 10. And it's just been this weird run of performances for them. And then, of course, you know, today's day game happens against the Rays. And once again, it's a blowout. Unfortunately, on the other side of things, the Reds are getting blown out. So I don't necessarily think Alexis Diaz is going to get any work in on a back-to-back day in a game he's not needed. He's not really had those opportunities to come out and be effective in a tight spot for the Reds. So I'm, I'm glad to see that he was able to get in there and get some work in. And, you know, as we're recording, we saw Lucas Sims get a little bit of work in. Uh, on Wednesday's game, so it's good to see him back. A nice clean, uh, kept the scoreboard clean for him. There was a base runner there. Uh, But overall, I think that this bullpen and the idea of Casey Legumina getting sent down for Levi Stout, I don't even know that Legumina is going to be the only guy on that shuttle bus. I, I think with the way the bullpen has had to been used just so heavily here early on this season, Nick Kroll's got to play a juggling game of, okay, who has thrown a lot of innings lately? Let's send them down to AAA as long as they have an option. Let's send them down to AAA. Let's have them take a 10-day break, maybe pitch a couple of times in low leverage situations for the bats, and then bring them back up here a little bit healthier because there's just constantly, and, and Wednesday was another example of where they have to get 15 or 18 outs, and it's just 
taxing on these guys. So Legamina throwing two and a third innings, I think that was kind of by design. They're just like, look, just do this, get us through this game, and we'll give you a little bit of break, and we'll, and we'll bring him back here soon because I think he's shown the talent that he can pitch at this level. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one thing's for sure, Jeff, uh, this team's going to continue to have ups and downs. We knew that. Yeah. We knew that coming in. There were going to be great days, and there were going to be bad days, and it just happened to be a bad day. But good days are coming. Coming up, the Reds are going to be debuting another pitcher. Uh, this is one that, you know, we've not been very excited about. We've kind of made fun of it. But uh, uh, nevertheless, he's going to be pitching for the Reds. So we're going to tell you who that is and a little bit about him coming up in just a minute. Before we get to that, I want to talk about one of the sponsors of today's podcast. That is Ultimate Baseball JM GM. Pro Baseball GM is one of the coolest games around. You know, I've always thought that I could be a great Major League Baseball general manager. And as it turns out, it's really not all that easy. Uh, if you've had the same thought and have fantasized about managing your own franchise, go and download Pro Baseball GM immediately. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, uh, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you are responsible for hiring the right coaches and staff. You manage the team finances. You're responsible for scouting and drafting of players. Uh, you can manage through difficult personalities and injuries. Uh, it's got all of the uh, nuance to being a Major League Baseball general manager. You're going to navigate your franchise through free agency and all of the ups and downs that come in a Major League Baseball baseball season all this in a challenging and realistic gaming world ultimate baseball gm is completely free and playable offline you're not going to need internet once you download this thing uh, you can play on the go as you want and when you want so for all of you uh, locked on reds listeners you can get a hundred percent free boost to your franchise when using the promo code locked on in the game store so make sure you check it out today download the game just visit probaseballgm.com or you can scan the qr code right here if you're watching on youtube uh, to look it up in the app store that's probaseballgm.com ultimate baseball gm you can start your dynasty today you can also catch every pitch of Reds baseball with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download it and then search Reds to find the game today. You can follow the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. Make sure you are following us here. Uh, click subscribe and the notification bell. So when we do things like go live after a major contract extension, you will be able to participate in the conversation right here on YouTube. You can also follow us between shows on Twitter. You can follow me at S Offenbaker with two F's. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three F's. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. All right, Jeff, we've made fun of this. We've scoffed at this. We've rolled our eyes at this. But <sighs> Luke Weaver is coming, and Luke Weaver is going to be starting for the Cincinnati Reds. So it's probably the right time to actually have a serious conversation about who he is and what he brings to the table for the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> Whenever this deal was signed, I, I was on the record as going, well, he's a pitcher. And at this point, he's a pitcher who's not Connor Overton and not Luis Sessa. So we are hoping to see some good things from him as we get this series run, uh, started off with the Pirates. Uh, but let, let's kind of break down who Luke Weaver is. We saw him a little bit in spring training. He is a 30-year-old right-handed pitcher. We are waiting for him to break out. 
He's he's never really broken out in his career. He was the key trade piece with Arizona and St. Louis. Arizona wanted him in the Paul Goldschmidt trade. I think that worked out a lot better for St. Louis. But anyway, he's here in Cincinnati now. That's why I say that. Uh, in his career, he does have a nice strikeouts per nine, which is something that we can at least start with. And and it was you know written a lot during spring training. He's worked on adding pitches to his mix. He has a four pitch mix that he likes to use, but it's very you know very basic: fastball, changeup, slider, curve. That's really where he goes with this. There's no you know crazy pitches. He's and he's not really necessarily elite with any of them. He's just solid with all of them. And it's really going to come down to how well he can control them against the Pirates lineup that's actually been kind of good so far this year. You know, you you kind of your first analysis of this 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 Luke Weaver deal and him coming to Cincinnati was, well, you know, he couldn't start games in Kansas city. What makes anyone think he can start games in Cincinnati? Well, look, last season he pitched in 26 games between Arizona and Kansas city. He only started one of those games. Now to be fair, the season before for Arizona in 2022, he appeared in 13 games and he started all of them and he had some success. He had a sub five ERA. Uh, He looked good at times, but I don't think in, in 2022, he really knew who he was yet as a pitcher he hadn't quite figured out being a major league starting pitcher my hope is that the time he got to spend with Derek Johnson out in Goodyear in spring training as you mentioned uh, there were times in spring training where he looked okay in the limited amount that we got to see him so my hope is that that work is going to allow him to drop into this rotation and really as you say the bar is not set high he just needs to be better than Connor Overton was He just needs to be better than Luis Sessa was. So that is not really a big ask. That is the minimal ask. Uh, So basically anything we get from him that's better than that is icing on the cake for me until we can get some more young pitchers up here. I know that Levi Stout is getting smacked around today and and we're going to talk about that on Friday when we go live. Mm. I said it, we're going live on Friday. Um, We're going to talk about that with uh, all of the viewers in the YouTube feed and talk a little bit about why we should not panic about Levi Stout. And Williamson will be up at some point. We're going to see him. So basically Luke Weaver is probably just a placeholder and if he can be better than the guys he's placeholding for then we win if if it could be i don't know like i don't even necessarily want to put an expectation of a quality start but somewhere around there like if you give me six innings four runs five runs that's fine this lineup is going to battle with that and i i think this lineup is going to battle very well against pirates pitching with Mm -hmm. that as as well this is the thing too when i look at Luke Weaver starting off this pirate series, the Reds need to set the tone because, all right, we've just come through a stretch where the Reds faced the best of the NL East, where the Reds faced the Rays who were setting records to begin the season. And all we were asking for was just win one game, just win one game, each of those series. And they did that. They, they followed up with our expectations. Now they play four games against the pirates. You got to at least split maybe win this series because the pirates and the reds are on the same level. And I know that right now their, their records are a little bit different. The pirates are actually up there in the NL central, but it's so freaking early that I'm not really going to get that bent out of shape about the differences in their records. This is still a team talent wise that the reds can and should compete with. So this is a series that Luke Weaver has got to get started off on the right foot. And I, I really think if I were to sit here and lay down a specific expectation, 
I think six innings, four runs is really where I want it to be. And as long as he can manage everything else, as long as he can get the bullpen to only have to throw like nine outs, if it's nine, let, let's say it this way. If the bullpen has to get nine or less outs, it is a successful start for Luke Weaver. I can see that. I think I would, I would amend that just a little bit in that I would like to see Luke Weaver give up three runs or less. I think at the three run mark, it's a reasonable expectation that this Reds lineup can score four or more in a game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I like that as the, the line of delineation between what Overton and Sessa were doing and what we want from Weaver, hold the other guys to three and let the lineup do its thing. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I am looking for. Uh, Since I'm not going to be on the crossover with you, uh, I am going to say right now, before we get started in this Pittsburgh series, the Reds are taking three of four. That's what's going to happen. I like it. And, and, and that's the key is that this is a different series. And people keep saying like, well, why are you okay with them going one and one out of, or one and two in a three game series or, or two and two, like heck the split with the Phillies honestly was surprising. Like I was just hoping they'd take one out of those four. They took two out of the four. So if they can take two out of four from Philly and if they can play the way that they've played against these good teams, they should beat the pirates three out of four games. And I know for a fact that our friend, Ethan, who will be on the podcast on Monday as we recap the Reds Pirate series. I know for a fact he's saying the same thing. So that is why these series are so fun. People say Reds Pirates. Oh, my gosh, who cares? We do because these are the series that they should win. And, and, you know, it's a cumulative thing, right? The baseball season is long. We looked at this schedule when it came out and thought, God, April is going to be awful. We're going to get murdered. But that also means that down the road later in the season, there are some easier stretches of baseball. So if you steal some wins in April and you just win a game each series and avoid being swept all the time, you start to stack up your win totals. And then when those easy stretches of baseball come along, you're in a position to move within the division. No, I'm not saying they're going to win the the division, but I am continuing to say that this team can disrupt and they can be a lot of fun throughout the entire season here in 2023. If they catch fire, I mean... I'm not going to say I, I'm with you. I'm not going to say they're going to win the division, but if they can catch fire, I mean, the, the, the reds are not currently in last folks. If you've looked at the standings, the Cardinals, yes, say it again, the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be the same way all season long, but I mean, for right now, the reds are ahead of the Cardinals in the standings. And just, I, I, I really think that folks who look at a 10, nothing loss to the Rays or who look at what they're doing today uh, uh, during the early game and finishing up the series in the getaway game, they're going to be like, oh, same old Reds. It's not. The way that they're playing here in this month of April, the way that they are surviving through this tough stretch of schedule is just going to be so key moving forward through the rest of the season. I'm glad they have this tough schedule in April because it it sets them up so well for the rest of the season. And the Reds are ahead of the Cardinals, and that is where you should... And that is how we'll end. Thank you so much, everybody, for checking out today's episode. Before we get out of here, just want to let you know that you can catch every pitch of Reds Hometown Broadcast with the SiriusXM app. Just download the SXM app and search Reds. And that's going to wrap us up. Thanks so much for checking out today's episode, and thanks for always uh, making us your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. The Rays guys will join us as we get the opposing point of view from this Reds-Rays series. 
for a Locked On Reds, Locked On Rays crossover. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. You can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they give you some great analysis on who to add, who to drop, who to trade for, and who to start and set. That's Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Wherever you find your podcast, just like Locked On Reds, it's on YouTube, and we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Steve, the Reds are signing people now. We're keeping people. We're hanging on to them. They're staying around for a while and they're still competitive. So what's that mean for you and me? That means that you and I are going to get to watch some fun baseball for a long time. It means we're going to be monitoring the rumors, watching for more extensions, watching for more transactions and bringing all that information back right here to keep everyone locked on Reds every single day. I think I could hold the pirates to under three runs over five innings. <laughs> Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.